Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to Cena Nerd. This is our season three kickoff. Uh, we are now officially part of the GWW.com. And uh, before we get started, just want to give you guys a quick rundown of what we do here. Uh, what we're going to do is give you guys some introductions. Matt's going to give us a few redactions if he has some. And we're going to give you the latest in movies and Blu-ray. Casey's going to follow that up with a little entertainment news. We have an interview on deck for you guys. That'll be a lot of fun. And then we get into the meat of the show, which is called TV Talk, where we're going to be talking about shows like Limitless, Blind Spot, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Heroes Reborn. But uh, before we get to our new intro and the rest of the show, just one quick piece of news. It was reported recently that ABC Family has not only greenlit, but given a full series order to a biographical comedy based on the life of Nicki Minaj. What's interesting, though, is that the two other is that two other cable networks passed on it. First was Bravo, who passed on the project, saying it was quote too raunchy and risque for their liking. While the other network, E, claimed scripted biographical comedy. We already have the Kardashians. Movies, TV, Blu-ray. If you're somehow consuming it on a screen with your eyes, then you've come to the right place. What have you seen and heard? This is Seen and Nerd. Featuring Pacing Pete, Matt, and Sarah. With a little help from Casey Franco. Proudly brought to you by GWW Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Seen and Nerd. This is season three. This is our season three our season three episode premiere. <laughs> See, I can't even talk right now. That's you still, how, do, the I, same I, I, still, you still do the same thing you do it every season, whereas you say something and then you say the same thing again. <laughs> I like to be repetitive like that, Casey. That's how, I, that's how it goes here. It's your, it's your style and it worked. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. Continue the intro. <laughs> see, we're already discompopulated. But see, if you heard us long enough, you know that that's just pretty much uh, status quo around here. Uh, so let's just get into introductions. First up... I am your host, Pacing Pete. Alongside always is Mr. Casey Franco. Hi, who is going through a tunnel right now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the person going through the tunnel, that is Miss Sarah Belmont. Welcome. Hi. Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> At least there's no leg. That's true. If you heard that it, and it's a very high quality sounding tunnel. Sarah <laughs> did get a new microphone today. She did. She I did. try so hard to make this perfect and I always fail. I'm sorry. Moving on. All right. <laughs> Moving on to uh, uh, running up the uh, the podcast crew here. We have Mr. I'm Salzy. What's up, Matt? That's me, and I'm, I'm sitting on the floor of my apartment, and my leg's already asleep. <laughs> Season three hype. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and get you a chair, Matt. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're, uh, we're the entertainment podcast for GWW.com. And here to kind of bridge us uh, with, uh, I guess you can say, the old podcast is Everett. Uh, Everett, who is the entertainment editor at GWW.com. Welcome, Everett. Hey, how's it going? Well, glad to have you here, man, uh, to uh, kind of a passing of the torch, I guess you could, you could say. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, I was I was prepared to to tell you, Pete, when you know, since this is my first time on your podcast, that if I start to take the show away from you at any point, say, stop it, <laughs> give me my show back, stop it. That's Casey's job. He does that. <laughs> we we really got to improve the sound effects. Season three, and Casey still hasn't fixed our sound effects. Otherwise, it'd be a buzz. We button. never never had never had said haven't gotten sound effects yet. 
and it is. I, I still think even though Sarah's not lagging, I feel like we still need a, a, a random, random interruption, random interruption. <laughs> That's going to become a thing. Hashtag random inter- interruption. At Cena Nerd. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, this is our season premiere. So, Matt, do you have any redactions from our, our season finale or do you have anything for us today? No, uh, we were uh, joined by the ever-perfect comedy duo of uh, Lauren and Amy. So uh, for even from our end, we, we didn't do any goof-ups. So that's that's a good way to start. No redactions. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. Well, oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait a second. What happened? I would like to redact that episode from my personal record for personal reasons. <laughs> you were totally okay? fine. It was awesome. So, no, let me have this, Matt. Okay, <laughs> don't take it away from me. I said my piece. Moving on. All right, moving on. Hashtag Sarah No Lag. Um, all right, so moving on to new movies out this week. Uh, we got a couple of good ones. Uh, first up is Sicario. That's sitting at ninety three percent on the tomato meter. And if you actually go to gww.com uh, in our entertainment, what section, is a dub dub? Pete, what is, is a dub dub? <laughs> That's not a thing. Okay, stop interrupting G- music. The dub dub, right? G- is- Hold on. GWW.com. There. That's just the way I'm saying it. That's just the All way right. I'm saying it. Now, um, we, now, we- <laughs> now we can move on. Okay, good. Sounds good. All right. So, uh, yeah, like I was saying, uh, if you go to our entertainment section, Sarah wrote up a, a nice little uh, fall movie preview. And this is one of the movies she previewed. And it's doing really well at 93% on the tomato meter. And yeah, you should definitely go check it out. It's getting a ton of good buzz. And it seems like it's going to be one of those movies that is going to be uh, around come Oscar time. So that should be interesting. And also, this is uh, item, I'm not messing this up this time. At 93% as well is The Martian. That's the one uh, coming out with Matt Damon, which looks really, really good. That's been getting a ton of good buzz. And it's definitely one you do want to go check out. So uh, no, um, no lag at the movie theater this week, that's for sure. Um, moving on to Blu-rays this week, there's actually quite a few of them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're, they're rated very high. Actually, well, Spy, I should say. Spy, I know, did very well at the movie theaters this past summer. Got a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, uh, reviews. Uh, I know it was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people, but, um, sometimes you need those in the midst of, of blockbuster movies. Uh, speaking of blockbuster movies, we have Age of Avengers, Age of Ultron, and, let me just let me just uh, get this out there right now. You have my permission to pause the podcast and go Google Honest Trailers Avengers: Age of Ultron. I'll be right back. Yes, you have my permission. Pause the podcast right now and and go. Screw pause and let's just put like a full three minutes of just radio <laughs> silence. So that that be great. <laughs> oh man, that would be great. Uh, but yeah, you need to go. You need to go check that out. It's it's hilarious. It's too funny. I mean, it's. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I'm just going to... the last family party, Pete literally strapped me to a chair <laughs> and uh, <laughs> made me watch it on his Xbox. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it good. Yeah. No, um, no regrets, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just saying. Avengers, roughly one week of Ultron. That was just the greatest thing ever. So, all right. So, moving on. Uh, rounding out the Blu-rays this week, we got Poltergeist and Entourage. So, go check those out on Blu-ray. And like I said, the new movie's out. Sicario the Martian. Go check those out as well. All right, so moving on, let's get to Casey's Entertainment Whatever. Whoa, that was fast. All right, welcome to the season three of the Entertainment Whatever. And 
par for the course. I didn't think ahead to have sound effects cued, so let's all clap our hands. All right. Hey. Yep. Entertainment, whatever. All right. First up, uh, Chris Brown was denied a visa to tour in Australia on the grounds that his uh, character was not uh, good enough for Australian soil. So kind of an insult to Chris Brown, I think, considering Australia is a land of, uh, I don't know, the land down kangaroos and crikey. And I, yeah, I guess hunter. I'm assuming there's more than just kangaroos down there, but yeah, I'm not well read enough. All right. <laughs> Second up, uh, Jim Carrey's girlfriend uh, of a month or so in 2012 uh, committed suicide the other day. Uh, and it's it's kind of uh, taken everyone uh, in shock. It was very sudden. Uh, he issued a, a statement through his publicist that said he was very, he's very saddened to hear uh, what had happened. Uh, she was a delicate flower, quote unquote, that was too kind for this world soil, and it's it's sad to see something like that happen to, I don't know, a, a person or an actor that uh, I think a lot of people would consider to be, uh, I don't know, very very friendly. Uh, he's, there's certain actors I think that that just kind of like. You would almost consider them friends, although you haven't ever met them. And I think he's one of those people, so it just makes it that much more sad. Um, now, hopefully, this sparks some kind of discussion uh, in the the media about about depression and uh, and outlet and outreaches and things like that. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Next up, Daniel Craig says uh, that he will not quit James Bond after Spectre. So, he's going to be doing more James Bond. What do you guys think about this? Did you like Skyfall? I, I like uh, I like Daniel Craig as James Bond, so that's uh, that's that's cool. I mean, um, you know, um, yeah, that's all I got. I lost yeah. my train yeah. of thought. Somebody talk. <laughs> I, f- I felt like the uh, the like when everyone was saying, "Oh, we want Idris Elba to play, you know, the new James Bond." I'm like, "Wait, is is Daniel Craig not be- going to be James Bond?" And then like, I, I just feel like it was way too pre- premature of a conversation to be have- having. You know, I-, I don't think anybody's expecting him to quit anytime soon. <laughs> well, speaking of being too legit to quit. Vin Diesel has said that Fast and Furious 8 will launch, quote, one last trilogy to end the saga. Let me say that one more time. (laughs) To finish it up, he's going to end it with one more trilogy. So not just Fast and Furious 8. The Fast and Furious 8 parts 1, 2, and 3, or 8, 9, and 10. Don't uh, do it. Just for the no, just no, do, it. do it. Do it for do the lulls. Sure. Do, do it for I, sure. I'm still waiting where MC Hammer comes in here. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, wait, is M- MC Hammer going to take Paul Walker's place? There's still time. There's still time. But you know what? Yeah. I feel like a while back, we, we kind of. You know, we were talking about like you know trilogies and all that, and I said this is we just call it an, uh, an overkillogy. I, I think that was the perfect name for it. So, and and it's living up to its name. Okay, you know I gotta defend Fast and Furious right now. <laughs> it doesn't need, it doesn't even need defending. It's just the perfect movie franchise. Period. It's yeah, awesome. I just, okay, I'm telling you. I just you, wanted to say, good. don't do it. That's all. I <laughs> 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 Nothing against. Does it sound like 
I'm in a wind tunnel tunnel still? No, 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 it's good. No, no because I'm hiding underneath a desk right now, and I'm uh, in the most <laughs> uncomfortable position. I'm imagining like guards looking for you right now, Sarah. <laughs> oh, That's man. what it feels like. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely sounds like you're he, in Alaska. Is he? Uh, <laughs> Shut up, Casey. <laughs> all right. Is he gonna do like the furious eight, blah blah blah, and keep adding more cast members, or like? Mm -hmm. Do you think any predictions? <laughs> Am I the only one who wants to garner? Okay, moving on. Thank you. I don't. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of what he would say for Fast and Furious Nine. It's like uh... Eleven Fast, Eleven Furious. <laughs> oh <laughs> <don't> man, <laughs> they got to come up with something. There, there's, there is, there is, there is a intern feverishly working for the next catchphrase of the new uh, Fast and Furious movie. It's happening right now. Yeah. All right. Well, next up. Uh, Al Jean, Al John, has said that The Simpsons is probably going to end after uh, season 30. Wow. Uh, so they just premiered their 27th season, I believe. And, uh, and they think uh, they've only got three more in them. And now they had, uh, they had that one main guy leave not too long ago and then come back at the very least. Um, I don't remember what his name is called because I don't watch The Simpsons, but... Um, it's had a really long run, whether it, it ends at 30 or not. I mean, it's it's definitely broken records, and it's made it into the history books. When when is when is season 30 supposed to happen? Is that ha – I don't um, know. I, I, I haven't know. watched they, The Simpsons in a long time, so – They just premiered season 27, so 30 is probably a ways off. Oh, uh, so they still, got, they still got a bit left in them. Talk about making you feel old. Okay. Uh, all right, and then lastly, to wrap it up, uh, HBO is eyeing a Watchmen TV series uh, directed by the infamous Zack Snyder. Be a lot Zach of neck Snyder breaking. ever directed wow. TV before? Um, no. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, look that up right now. I don't think so. It would be interesting to see his style get transferred over into television because I don't know. He's very mm, dark, mysterious, and. Uh, I mean, his style for movies would definitely work for that TV series. And it's but, supposed to be HBO, right? But I feel like it's all... Yeah, it is HBO. And I feel like it's all about payoff. I don't know if he's going to be able to get the same kind of feeling all wrapped up into one episode. Uh, unless he focus on like, focus on like... Bleh. Focuses on one character per episode. That could work. But, I mean, that's that's just me talking out loud or thinking out loud would have to be like 10 episode run right i mean similar to like a game of thrones yeah yeah probably that that seems to be uh what most see, uh, series do on hbo man i cannot talk today <laughs> this is uh, what is going on with you case way to way to introduce yourself three. to this new audience that we're meeting for the first time that's just Hi, audience. Way, go. all right way to go man well, that's going to do go. it. That's going to do it for the entertainment. Uh, this is a. Finally. Uh, that's, that's me clicking a mechanical pencil. Uh, Wrap it up, Casey. Wrap it up. To sign Play my music. resignation. <laughs> what was. Um, <laughs> that's, that's it. Okay, done. What was Lauren's sound effect? I think she was like just hitting plates together to mimic you. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's... She's got that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway, okay, moving on. Thank you, Casey, for the entertainment, whatever. Yeah. All right, so we are very happy to have uh, scheduled an interview for uh, our season premiere tonight, and that is uh, with Miss Federico uh, Ponce. Uh, 
he has created a series called Sebastian and the, the I'm sorry, Sebastian the Slumberland Odyssey, and uh, it's a Kickstarter project uh, that this, the idea seems really really cool. Um, welcome to the show, Federico. Thank you, Pete. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Um, now, can you give uh, our audience a, a quick uh, idea of what what this is and um, how it came to be? Uh, sure. I, that's kind of a long story, but <laughs> I'll try to make it a short burger request. Um, the, you know, the quick the quick logline, the pitch is basically in a future where, in a peaceful future where we're ruled by artificial intelligence, uh, dreaming has become punishable by death. So that's, you know, our, our sort of uh, premise. Now, the story, uh, the origin of the story is uh, very personal. It came about... A long time ago, I have a, a younger brother, and um, he and I, you know, used, we used to be very close. But uh, you know, because of life circumstances, uh, we we had to split. I came to the U.S. I'm originally from Mexico City, and he stayed down there. Uh, so sometimes I would go uh, back and see him, and the little times that we had together, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what what could we do to really sort of connect and, and just sort of keep our friendship and our bond going? And the best thing that I could think of was to, and you know, he was really young, was to, you know, when, when he was going to sleep, to tell him stories. And the stories were about Slumberland and these brothers that traveled into the dream world and had adventures. And, you know, the, the, the main thing was for him to try to remember it. And then the next morning, I would ask him, you know, like, hey, man, did you remember we, like, we fought these dragons and then we found these crazy mermaids? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember all of it. Uh, you know. <laughs> that's, that, that's very cool. Uh, so cute. Yeah, it, it seems like, uh, you know, I was reading the synopsis, um, which I thought the idea was really, really cool. I was getting a lot of um, kind of a mix of, of a few movies, uh, Never Ending Story, uh, The Matrix, and we were just talking about this beforehand, um, Inception. Um, now, would you say that those kind of uh, might have had a bit of uh, influence on, on um, the, how your story ended up coming out? Uh, sure. I mean, the the main thing is like, for example, with Inception, the you know we, we're talking about dreaming basically and just questioning reality. Other than that, I don't think there's any over you know, it's 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 just we're talking on, about the same thing. Um, with The Matrix, that was a very influ influential movie for me as well, and it it really boils down to that that movie for me was really about questioning the nature of reality and our perceptions and our physical world and and it was great it was a really great movie and and uh, but i would have to say that I, even though you guys are absolutely right uh, that the heart of the story comes more from movies like the never ending story legend you know the old 80s willow the fantasy yeah. you know it seemed to me like those movies really had a heart and really had um, a different take on on the genre and, and so that really when I was younger you know I grew up on that and so that that really sort of filtered through my subconscious so I'm glad I'm glad you guys saw that <laughs> they also had like a modern day mythology to them those films instead of taking mythology from books or comic books and translating them on stream those came up with original ideas based on the ideas of the hero's story is that what you wanted to do with this project well, that's absolutely right, and, and I love that you touch up on that, because what was happening in the 80s was there's this, I'm basically repeating what you said, but yeah, there was a revival <laughs> of, of the hero myth, 
and uh, these authors were coming up with these very interesting, uh, you know, sort of medieval, or you know, from that era. The, 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 mm-hmm. That was the setting, but the mythology was was that, and they were taking these two um, objects and combining them into original ideas. Um, and so, the thing, the reason that is important is because when you do that as an artist, when you take up take it up on yourself to be sensible and sensitive to the uh, energies of the time, to to what's happening in terms mm-hmm. of psychological development, um, you can take those things in and talk about them in a way that it's impactful and that matters, and it's not just spectacle. And you right. you know you you deliver a, a mythology, and so what I wanted to do is you know I I felt this. I felt this world around me changing in a way that I couldn't understand it anymore. Even now, I don't understand it. And I feel like a lot of the myths and the things that I look on, you know, the screen or that I read on books are, are very outdated, are extremely outdated. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. To answer your question, I did want to take it upon this particular story of Sebastian to reflect a lot of my inner world, the relationship with my brother. Uh, but certainly try to um, investigate new mythology that is a little bit more updated, for sure. Right. Now, when you, so when you say you say that the 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 original stories you used to tell your brother had these two brothers who would travel and have adventures in in this land called Slumberland. Um, is Sebastian uh, one of those brothers, or is Sebastian based off of a different person or experience that you've had in in your own personal life? Uh, no, that's a great question. And so, what happened was when I told my little brother's name is actually Sebastian. So oh. when I when I when I told him all these stories, yeah, <laughs> uh, when I told him all these stories, and, and, and you so he he sort of came came back with me uh, with with different versions of the story and this and that. It was a more of a playful thing. It wasn't really until somebody said to me, uh, "Hey, I got a hold of these stories. I think you got something. You should make it into a real uh, treatment." Uh, it wasn't up until that moment that all you know this stuff kicked in, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so who are these characters?" And then, and then the creative process began. But the original part of it was just sort of very intuitive, very you know, it was just just trying to have a good time with my brother. What surprised you most about the creative process of building a new mythology and a new universe to explore? Oh man! Oh, that's that gave me chills. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. That's a great question. Um, I, I, the, I think what happened, what surprised me the most, was that I thought that I was going to run out of ideas, and I thought mm-hmm. I was going to run out of emotions, and I had all these fears about um, doing, repeating what everybody had already repeated. And what happened was that when you look inside of your Yourself, and you look at your own human experience, and you are honest about your feelings, your thoughts, even the darkest ones. Um, you tell a story that it's like no other story. You know, there's similarities, but it's your story. And so, the thing that amazed me the most about the creative process was that once I started, I couldn't stop. I just could not stop. I mean, I've been going at this for eight years. Wow. 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 Yeah, you know this is uh, this is going to be a series, a whole series of, of episodes. Now, I'm curious, um, why did you choose to do the series versus a two-hour movie? Um, well, what happened was, uh, like I said, um, I had some really good advice, and I put the whole thing together, and I actually had a uh, have a script for a future film, and I I took that future film to my producer, who was a really, really 
passionate fighter for the project and he shopped it around everywhere and eventually it landed with uh, Berta Navarro who's a producer for Guillermo del Toro oh, wow. and she uh, she read it and she thought that maybe I th listen I read the script now and I think it's terrible I, I, I I'm so embarrassed <laughs> to show her around. but apparently she saw something and she called me in and she asked me if I wanted to be part of her uh, workshop her writers workshop which was you know, real honor because here's like this no one, this nobody guy who writes like this crazy script about kids dreaming and dragons and stuff. And all of a sudden I'm surrounded by like Academy Award winning uh, writers. And uh, so that was really intense. That sort of happened. It, it took some time for that to formulate. It took about a year for that to, to go from the first call to the actual um, meeting. And so once I was there, I, you know, I started rewriting and sort of creating a more cohesive story. And it was, it was the, during that time that somebody said to me, listen, you, you just, this is crazy. There's just too much material. And if you try to put it into a movie, um, you're going to do a disservice to the story. You're not going to be able to explore the mythology the way you want it. So, um, you know, just go ahead and explore other medium with it. And that's why, you know, I'm doing a series, I'm doing a comic book. And so each part of this process, this project, sorry, touches upon a different part of the story. Yeah. Well, the effort, the effort you put into it surely comes out when you, when you see how expansive this universe that you've created is. You've created, uh, and it is very unique. And it's, uh, it's something a lot of people haven't seen before. It really bridges the gap between like the fantasy genre and the, the sci-fi genre. And I just wanted to know um, if there are any really big influences that stick out to you on, on either side, either the fantasy or the sci-fi genre. Yeah, let me think, man. Like I'm, a, like, I'm a child of the '80s, so I, I have to tell you, like, to be honest with you, um, a lot of what started happening in the 2000s to me was very unimportant. Uh, most okay. of the, most of the literature and, and and film influence came to me when I was from from the early years when I was a kid. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and I was gonna say, my my mom used to read mythology to me when I was a little kid. And you know, mythology, world mythology is not nice. It, there's there's fathers <laughs> eating kids, and there's right. you know a lot of pillaging and raping, and it's not something you would read to a kid. But that's what I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good stories. I was gonna say that I'm a child of the '90s, and I don't find 2000 movies all that compelling either. So I we're pretty parallel on that one. Yeah. Good. 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 So yeah. And so and then as far as like cinematic influences. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Pan's Labyrinth and Guillermo del Toro, I, I just, I love his work. Kronos is really good. Um, George Miller, uh, Danny Boyle, uh, you know, uh, all the, basically the Mexican directors as well, Iñárritu, they, 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 they're very, you know, incredible risk takers and storytellers. Um, and as far as literature, just, you know, every, anything Schopenhauer, Joseph Campbell, of course, um, you know, anything that deals with, with the collective unconscious, basically, yeah. Right. Now, I'm curious, Federico, do you find anything challenging about doing a movie on scale of a sci-fi uh, fantasy type film versus any other genre? Yeah, it's, it, it, you, that's a phenomenal question. When you, when you start doing a film, you know, a lot of people used to think that the film was about the actors or the stars that are in the film. And with the to me, in my own view, uh, what films are really about are about genre. 
because each genre is its own language, right? So if, if you go to a comedy and you don't hit certain beats with the audience, it's going to come off as a really weird piece of, of, of language of art. Same thing, you know, for horror and all, all the other genres. So, so when you're dealing with sci-fi, sci-fi has its own beats mm -hmm. and fantasy has its own beats. So marrying both stories and both uh, genres uh, into sci-fan uh, is very challenging. It's definitely very challenging. I can't say that I've mastered it. I can't say that I'm even close, but I can tell you that I'm definitely playing and, and sort of mastering this, this clay, for sure. Can you talk about some of the beats you've been trying to hit between both genres? Sure, sure, sure. Well, sci-fi, uh, historically, you know, you have to, you have to uh, do a lot of world building. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you do a lot of world building is it, it can become expository. And so the characters um, will sort of try to explain the world to the audience and they, then, you know, they'll do it in really stupid ways. Like if you look at certain, some of the new um, Star Trek movies, somebody will say something like, oh, we have to go to uh, this planet. And they'll say, we have to go to this planet because our enemy is in that planet. You know, and they're explaining everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that uh, happened. <laughs> so, so world building is very challenging because you have to do it in a way that is um, enticing and that, that is inviting to the audience. And yet... Um, the, the rules of those worlds in sci-fi have to make some sort of sense, right? So if you look at, and, and again, we might get into a huge discussion. Some people call sci-fi uh, Star Wars. Some people call sci-fi um, Star Trek. And so there's varying degrees of, you know. Right. But, but for the most part, people are trying to look for a sense of cohesiveness in that world. Um, and fantasy is the complete opposite. Fantasy is, <laughs> is you know, wild. It's your right brain. It's your, it's your subconscious. And uh, fantasy has different beats. Uh, fantasy follows a much more epic sort of um, three-arc uh, hero storytelling, you know, the call to... A, for example, in the fantasy, you have the call to action, the, uh, the adventure, the uh, wizard that guides you through the underworld, uh, the river sticks you know, and then you come back the hero and the savior, like Neo and the one. And so there's all these beats. So if you actually take a look at the matrix, the matrix is like a perfect textbook ex example of, of the uh, hero beats and, and that. So yeah, marrying these worlds is a, is a, is a big challenge for sure. Now, what do you, oh, sorry, Pete. No, I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to ask um, kind of an important question here, but to, to ask you about the sci-fi stuff, are you Trek or are you Wars? <laughs> Both. Okay. Okay. Good Just had answer. to ask that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, but I was gonna ask. Um, so, in regards to this being a hero's journey, why do you think um, that element of fantasy and science fiction appeals so so much to general audiences? Um, that's a really tough question. I don't know the answer. I can. Tell you Pete, what do you it, have another it, like geek question? <laughs> because I asked him a hard one. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I love it. I like the question. I just need to think about it for a second because I can tell you, I think, my own personal experience with that question. But I can certainly, you know, I can't talk about the audience in general. But I think what happens is, you know, life, life is chaotic. Life is very mysterious. And life, we all try to make sense of it somehow. 
And what happens with the hero myth is that it, the, the hero myths have been told from the beginning of time, right? So these are people that have somehow found a pattern of, of life that, that works, psychologically speaking. So when we uh, become an audience to that pattern, uh, it's very satisfying. We know the hero's not going to die, or if he dies, we know he's going to be reborn. We know the hero is going to be, we're going to be with him from the beginning to the end. And even though we know that, we still watch the movie, right? right. <laughs> um, and, and it's because there's a certain catharsis, there's a certain uh, metamorphosis that happens, and we attach ourselves to that. Now, I don't know that that happens in every single movie, and I don't know that it's done well in every movie, uh, but it's certainly, you know, the most attractive part for me is that I can relate personally to a lot of things that I've seen in movies and I think you guys can do that too right like yeah. if you've seen a movie I think all of us here in the podcast tonight have seen a movie that has changed our life somehow or that we could relate to a part of it and say oh my god I felt that way that's the power of myth the connection really? nice very, very cool that was like a perfect answer to apparently a really <laughs> hard question you did good <laughs> um, now you talked a lot about heroes can you talk about uh some of your heroes growing up Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about a heroes in Slumberland, but yeah, <laughs> I can't talk about. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about. Yeah. Please talk about that too. Well, no, it's it's cool. Um, the heroes when I was growing up. What happened when I was growing up was that, um, like any kid, I had my idols, and and what happened, and this is sort of a very personal thing, but I don't mind sharing it. Obviously, my father to me was my idol for the longest time in a way that was not. Um, critical or analytical, it was just pure ador adoration, right, for the father figure. And and as I grew up and I started seeing the man behind the myth in my own life, I started becoming disenchanted with it, and I started, with that image, and I started having a lot of conflict with that, and I didn't know how to relate to the man behind my father, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it hit me, I was like, holy shit, this guy's not, oh sorry, can I say bad words? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Let it fly. Let it fly. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, and so, to me, it was a matter of understanding how to deal with a man behind the role and then, you know, seeing that the man had a lot of character flaws and so forth. And, and that, to me, was uh, very, very shattering to my psyche. So what happened when I was a little kid very, at a very early age is I stopped um, admiring heroes. And I started seeing people as complex individuals, which is a really strange thing for an eight-year-old. Um, <laughs> but but I think so, I did so, that too. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. So to answer your question, Pete, um, I didn't really have that many heroes growing up. There were people that I thought were particularly smart and particularly admirable, but I didn't. I never really hung to uh, an image of that one hero or two or three. You know what I mean? And and I think that that trickled over to the characters in Slumberland. All the characters in Slumberland are very complex. None of them are good, none of them are bad. Some have good in them, some have bad, but they all certainly have their own intentions and their own views about how they're going to get what they want. And so what happens is when you submerge these, um, you know, these characters into a world of situations, they get to react to those situations in a different manner. So when everything's going well, you might have a bunch of really cool good guys hanging out, but once stuff hits the fan, maybe some of those guys 
show a little bit of their darker side and so forth. But it just it really depends on on the situations. And so what happens in Slumberland, which I'm very excited about, is that you will follow these characters through their ups and downs, and you'll realize that you know they're not perfect. So I am really excited about that. You know, we're um, you know the cinematic landscape right now is dominated by the superhero genre. Um, did you? Do you find yourself influenced by that in your filmmaking? Um, if anything, I find myself completely distracted by it. Um, I think it's a little bit overwhelming. Um, as I mentioned before, a lot of I, I love a good comic book movie because I can shut my brain off and I can just you know enjoy it. But to me personally, I can't relate to it. The material is unrelatable, and so um, I tried watching. Avengers Age of Ultron the other day and I had to watch it in two seatings just because <laughs> uh, just because it's my policy to never walk out of a movie I always have to sit through and look for its redeeming qualities but I just I couldn't I couldn't get through it man I was I was it was it, it was unintelligible to me I don't understand why there's such a big I mean I understand the spectacle but um and then it's not safe about all uh, comic book movies. I mean, Iron Man, the first one was phenomenal. Great, great origin story. Um, I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was really funny. Um, I thought Ant-Man was really charming. But then there's others that are just not... It's weird, man. Like, when you start writing and we start, like, really getting into this kind of stuff and you go to a theater and you go to a movie, you it's almost like going to a theater and you seeing the stage lights and seeing the fabrication behind the mm -hmm. image and when you see the fabrication you just can't you know it's not attractive to you so um, the most exciting part for me is going to a movie and just getting my just losing myself in the experience hundred um, percent but sorry going back to your question I digress the, 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 the superhero stuff is again to me unrelatable because you have to understand that a lot of these characters were written in the 1960s and the 1950s um, for for you know fourteen year old boys, and and so what you know trying to make Captain America relevant to today's day and age or even Superman is kind of a weird task. I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't I can't connect with that. So how will Sebastian connect with um, viewers in his well, journey? Sure, absolutely. So number one is you know we talked about the fantasy world and sci-fi world mm -hmm. and so what happens in Sebastian is that the sci-fi world offers a, uh, a setting to talk about some very complex issues that I want to talk about that I want to bring forth to the table like information pollution like uh, you know disconnection synthetic connections of, between human beings um, you know the effect that technology has on our psyche and we don't explore that and, and it's more of a social setting, whereas the dream world is going to talk more about the internal struggles of the characters, the emotions that they're going through. And so what that's going to offer, you know, the viewer is an intimate look at, at some of my own life experiences, some of other people's life experiences. And, and, you know, because we are touching so deeply and we're so unafraid of presenting that, I think a lot of people are going to look at it and say, like, oh, my God, I went through the same thing. Or I know a person like that, and you know, even though, like I said, there's going to be a kid flying a dog with wings. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the visual. That's the exciting visual right. part. Of it. But the content, the dialogue, the plot, the things that drive these characters through these worlds are things we will be able to connect with. 
Right, exactly. What now in the log line it talks about how dreaming has been um, outlawed in this society. Mm -hmm. So, what is it about the idea of dreaming and individuality? an all stretch and reach individuality. You know what I'm trying to say. Shut up. I, know. <laughs> I try so hard. Um, what, what, what is it about those that are, is so threatening to a society and a world? Oh my God. I love talking about this. I don't know if you guys are ready for a six hour podcast, but. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm going to go get some popcorn. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Well, I'll try to make it short, but it, but basically, what happens? Okay, so here's the thing, right? We as mm -hmm. human beings put all our eggs in one basket, and that basket is technology, and that's fine. That's okay. It's brought us here. We're skyping. It's a beautiful world, many ways, right? And and so, the way, well, the, basically, the way every single human achievement has come about is has always started with a dream. You dream about something, you dream about coming to America, you dream about making a movie, you dream about making a podcast, and then you go ahead and you actually do it. And then you, you continue to dream, and, you, and these dreams are like this force inside you that just pushes you to do weird stuff, you know, stuff that's not yeah. logical. And, and somehow it puts you on a path of, of life. You start experiencing life, right? Because you're following those dreams, that, that, that energy that's not even yours sometimes. It's just pushing you. And so to me, I find the concept fascinating that right now we live in a society where we are continuously putting all our ambitions and dreams and hopes not on our dreams but on, on in technology, right? We are developing AI. We are developing systems that make us dependent on those systems. They're not making us smarter. They're making us dependent. Um, can we do a lot more stuff? Yeah, sure. I can Skype. I can be on Instagram. I can be on Twitter and Facebook and this and that. But does that necessarily make me a more uh, compassionate, empathetic, intelligent human being? I don't know. I'm not saying it does or it doesn't. I just I don't know the answer. So right. the idea that there is this artificial intelligence in the world of uh, intelligence in the world of Sebastian that controls everything, that has eradicated war and disease and all these great things, and has really created a utopia for human beings. Right. The idea that this intelligence cannot control or cannot penetrate the dream world is fascinating to me because then it talks about the dream world being something else. Right, because the dream world is like a part of your soul, and machines don't have souls. Yeah, that, I like that. That's that's pretty awesome metaphor got going on there. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, the Kickstarter and how uh, how people can get? Uh, I know we're we're recording a few days before uh, it launches. Can you can you talk about how that and how people can get involved? Sure. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, people can go to the uh, Facebook page and, and just sort of follow the updates. Same thing with Twitter. And then we're launching uh, Tuesday, October 6th, 6 a.m. in the morning. And, uh, they, you know, they can just go to the Kickstarter. We don't have a link yet because the project basically has to, you know, the moment it goes live, that's when we get the link. Um, so once we get the link, we'll push it out to the community. We'll send it out to you guys. They can check it on your website. And then they can go to the link. And, and pledge and look at, you know, how they want to participate. Now, the cool thing about Kickstarter is this, is like, and, and I've backed like more than 30 projects myself. I'm, I'm a huge backer. I, I love it. I love, it's, it's to me, it's the ultimate um, platform because you, 
you get in touch with creators and creators are passionate people. They're smart. They're out there trying to do something else. And as a backer, um, you know, I just, I just got um, a really, I actually just got a really cool reward in the, in the mail today. And I was, I was, I was looking at it and I was like, it was so beautiful. And I'm like, holy crap, I helped make, make this, right? Like I didn't create it, but I helped finance it. This is really cool. And now it's in my hands. And then um, the people that sort of help finance it too, we've been chatting, we talk, and, and it just sort of the sudden you become part of this really cool community. So that's what I really like about Kickstarter is that it's not, not really about um, financing projects. Kickstarter is about making communities. And as a creator, my responsibility is to make this community as amazing and as incredible as everybody deserves it to be. So if people want to be a part of it, they can do so that's awesome. Um, that's really cool to hear. And I, 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 we'll be posting all the information on our website. We're gonna we're gonna shoot it all out on Twitter to make sure we get the the word out. But can you let everyone know where they can where they can find everything and th- tell them about your website and uh, and anything we can do to get the word out about this about this thing uh, being made. Thank you, Pete. I, I really appreciate that, man. I think I lost you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a little bit of static. Uh, just yeah. yeah. What should I should I uh, should I say that that whole spiel again? Aww. There we go. Uh, yes, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> no it's worries, okay. man. No worries. It's okay. This is what happens when we're dependent on technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay, I'll do this. I mean, I'll do this again. Uh, <clears throat> so that was really cool to hear about the Kickstarter project and everything. Can Can you tell everyone? Uh, where they can find everything, so we can get the word out about this project, and and make sure we can actually, uh, uh, we can we can see it get made, and we can see it it, uh, you know, we can see it done the whole way through, and we get to see your vision come to life. Can you tell everyone where uh, about the website and and uh, their tw- your Twitter, any 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 and any and all ways we can to get the word out? Absolutely, sure. Um, you know, we have some presence. If you if you go to Twitter, you know, Sebastian's uh, Odyssey TV show, I think it is. Um, I can send you the links later. Uh, you know, the Facebook page, we have a great, great supportive community there. And then obviously when the project comes live on October 6th, we'll release the link to, you know, you guys, to the Facebook page, to Twitter, to emails, to all our community. And, um, you know, that's the best way for people to participate and, and help me create this, this beautiful community. And you're awesome. going to release that six-hour podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> She's like, I already have my popcorn here. What's going on? Seriously, <laughs> don't let me down. I mean, oh. this is my dream. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like how you tied all that together. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Federico. That was that was really cool, man. Um, like I said, we were all very in- intrigued by the idea, and it's it was great to hear hear it from you. I mean, you know, a lot a lot of times you get to hear about a project, the synopsis, and and you you just kind of read it in your head. That's how it sounds, but you don't often get to hear it straight from the source. So so it was awesome to hear it from you. Cool, man. I'm 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 glad. And and so um, did you guys. Uh, what what like what was it for you guys that that, that sort of grabbed you about the story? Like, because I'm I'm re- I'm always really interested to hear, um, you know, your guys' take on it. I guess I'll go first. I for me it was the idea. It was not only the bridging of the the sci-fi and the fantasy in this really unique way. I I don't think I've seen before. 
And uh, well, I definitely have not seen before. Uh, but it was also the fact that in this sci-fi uh, realm that they live in, that you've created this dystopian future mm-hmm. under the guise that it is a utopian future, yeah. uh, whereas everything is has been perfected through technology, and yet we've given up a part of ourselves that we we don't know we shouldn't have but but that will i'm assuming we'll come to find out we shouldn't have right the part that makes us us well think about it this way too i mean i don't and and this is something that that i love about telling stories is that you bring a phenomenal point of view right like we have to give something up to get something else and the question is always was it was it worth it and i think what what this story offers is that the antagonist the main antagonist lizo um, he really believes that this is the way for order. I mean, he really believes that that you know he has brought peace and um, a disease-free society to the world. I mean, he is a good guy, right? So As it, villains it, are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, the question that he poses is: Listen, when everybody had dreams and everybody was doing their own thing and everybody was in search of their individuality. Um, there was conflict because when your dreams are fighting against my dreams or when my dreams become more important than yours conflict arises but now that we're all unified under one dream of prosperity there's no conflict so that's Hmm. a good question right but if you if you're all under one person's dream then you're just um, I don't know where it's going with that. <laughs> I think it is it is interesting because most of the most of the sci-fi schools of thought that I've I've read is always they live in the in this universe where the antagonist believes that that syn- synthetic life or some kind of AI overseer is the inevitability of of the evolutionary uh, scale, so to speak. That are that humans eventually give rise to technology and that becomes their overlords. It's perfection because you're removing this idea of um, you're removing the flaws, but with that you also take away like the spirit and the soulful nature a part of a part of your being. Oh, sorry about that. Somebody rode on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you're right. And and like what I really want people to see when they're looking at the story is like we're definitely going to introduce a beautiful, perfect world. Um, it's not going to be a world where it's going to be about sensory overload, where uh, it's, it's not going to be a hedonistic utopia, basically. It's a, it's a more um, level-minded uh, utopia. But within that world, uh, when there's these uh, characters called the Robacks, and the mm-hmm. Robacks sort of live in the forest outside of the city. It's the last forest that has not been meshed, that has not been synthetically, um, you know, attached to the to the uh, provenance which is the this the ai and so the question is if the world is perfect why are these guys choosing to live like hobos basically and and you know what 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 is driving these people to live to basically reject society and and that's an invitation that i want to send out um to the viewers nice very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I love the, I'm fascinated by the whole sci-fi and um, 
mysticism of everything. And uh, I, I really, I thought it was cool how you were. Uh, I'm a child of the '80s as well, and and I, I loved that you were uh, referencing films like Legend, um, you know, and Willow because those are movies I grew up on, and uh, and it's it's cool trying to see someone, uh, you know, bridge like Casey was saying, bridge these two worlds together. Yeah, and think about Willow too. You know, Willow, you have a very um, it's it's very Tolkien esque in that you have a very unlikely hero. Like the hero is not Val Kilmer. You know, the hero is Willow, the the, the dwarf. So um, there's a lot of that in Sebastian. You know, a lot of the characters will surprise you, and they will, uh, you know, they will show you a side of of them that will definitely, you know, you people will will be surprised by that. So yeah. much fun talking with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this was so informative, and 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 uh, we'd love to have you back on the show. Thank you, Pete. You guys have a good night. You too. Have bye. a good night, Federico. Take care. All right. So now we're going to get into uh, like uh, like I said earlier, the meat of the show, which is TV talk, and we got a lot of TV to talk about tonight. There was a lot of shows that premiered the last couple weeks. Uh, if you heard our season finales, we were talking returning and new shows. And one of the shows we're going to talk about tonight is uh, is a new one, and that is Limitless. It is, uh, if you're not familiar, it's uh, based off the movie, uh, directly from the movie, really, uh, that starred Bradley Cooper. So, pretty uh, pretty excited to see this. I was I I know that he Bradley Cooper is one of the executive producer producers, I believe. Um, so he definitely has a hand in it. Uh, what's going on? And not only that, but he did have a bit of a cameo. We'll get into that to a second. Um, all right, let me uh, just start things off. Sarah, uh, what did you think of the movie? Did you think, or the show, did you think it was exactly like the movie? Do you think it was, I mean, it, it kind of was, but then uh, it kind of had its own identity? Yeah, I couldn't stay under the desk. It was making me sick. Sorry for the Nintendo sound. Um, Limitless. And it was fine for a, uh, sorry, I totally watched it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You guys are really mean right now. <laughs> okay. Well, how do we mean? I didn't say anything. <laughs> Damn it, Matt. Damn it. I, I still heard it, okay? Um, so, um, really, Jake McDormand, like, he's he makes the show right now. Um, and his acting is really good because he can play both that um, druggie and then a put together, well put together person at the same time and um, throughout the show. So I really like that part of it. Um, and I really liked how they had that connection between him and the FBI agent Harris, I think. Um, and the fact that she, um, I think it was her father who was addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they um, have a connection and she sees she has daddy issues, apparently, and so she wants to save this guy. So I like that angle that they took. I thought that was interesting. So speaking of uh, the the FBI agent, her name is uh, Agent Rebecca Harris, played by Jeff- Jennifer Carpenter. Um, did you like her character? Do you like uh, the, the chemistry between her and Brian? Sarah? I don't really care for their chemistry. I haven't seen enough of it to really see if they have any, but so far they don't, in my opinion. One thing I did notice, why is she the only girl on the show? (laughs) Is she? She She is. She pretty much is, and not only that, she is uh, consistently the most confused on the show. (laughs) Yeah, 
So I'm I'm hoping they introduce more um, characters, and especially characters who are a little bit more um, funny and um, bright and bubbly to bounce off of um, Agent Harris and Brian. Br- Brian, I mean, he's right now providing the comedy, which is great, but um, I just want to see a little bit more enthusiasm within the show. Yeah, I... Um, I... I thought the uh, isn't the police chief a f- like a, a lady isn't she's she's in there yeah, isn't like she the FBI director she's, yeah the director she's she's, she's, a woman. she's a director mm, you might be thinking about Blind Spot no no yes limitless very Elizabeth Master Antonio that is who plays the the yeah. FBI director boom okay. drop definitely, it. I definitely it. quite a yeah. few females on the cast yeah, I believe you <laughs> they're just not noticeable had <laughs> to drop the hammer okay. Uh, I will say though, yeah, she, uh, uh, I'm just gonna call her Deb because we've been calling her Deb. <laughs> she is totally always confused. Like she's like, but no. And then like the the little note she left in the last episode, there's bagels in the fridge. I'm like, that yeah. seems a little out of character for her, at least at this point. But I don't know. Well, I think the show is trying to like struggling at this point for what kind of like tone they want to have, or like. The personalities for each character hasn't really been set in stone yet, so I hope they kind of develop. And yeah, I agree, Sarah. They need someone to kind of like have him to bounce off of in terms of like levity in the show, because it seems like a like it's just another like pr- like police procedural with like uh, like Sherlock in it or Elemental, whatever they call it on CBS, um, but just way more compelling. Elementary, there you go, got it. Yeah, I was actually just to, to add on what you were saying, uh, Matt, about her being Deb. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. I mean, she's just Deb toned down without the cussing, um, is what I took from it. And if you, just in case you're not getting the reference, that's from the uh, Showtime series Dexter, where she pretty much played the exact same character, um, but mm-hmm. she's just like I said, a lot more toned down and not cussing every five seconds. Um, Casey, what did you think of uh, the lead character uh, in the series? You, do you like him? Are you buying him? Is he somebody that that you can you can buy for the rest uh, of the season? Yeah, I mean, I just I I thought it would be interesting just to watch. I, I've only ever seen the I've seen only the pilot episode. I'll just come out and say it. Uh, but I think just as a I, I was interested to see just the concept of Limitless get transferred over from uh, a a list actor like Bradley Cooper to television and. I don't know what his name is, but whoever plays Brian, I think, is do- really doing the part justice. Um, one of the main things that I liked about the movie is that it takes a very ordinary guy, someone who's kind of relatable, at least to a, a slobbish person like myself, mm-hmm. and like gives them not necessarily a realistic way of becoming like super successful, but but I could see it. I guess I could see it happening. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll suspend my disbelief for this. I guess. Um, you get, he's relatable. Yeah, he's very relatable. He, he very he's like much one is. lightning strike away from being a superhero, so he's it, like a little more believable. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, uh, like I don't know. It. It just. It, he is kind of a superhero. When I when I was watching it last night, I I definitely got that vibe from the show that he's very superhero. Uh, when he's when he's quote unquote high. And when he comes down is like he has these moments of weakness where he like he has to like struggle and try and find the next pill, how he's going to solve his problems because he has to go and and do the drug again to get through this next dilemma. And so he has these moments of weakness. Now, I did notice that he took that shot in the first episode. So I don't know if that shot wears off later 
and the hangovers come back. Maybe someone who's seen further episodes could help yes, me. Yes, they do come back. Oh, they do come There's back. Only... Okay, all right, well, that's good. <laughs> There's only There's two only episodes. One more. Yeah, exactly. No, I, what? You know, I, I like that concept. I, I did want to yeah. say this because it sounds like you guys all are digging the main character, which is cool. Um, it's obviously you know helping you guys want to watch uh, or driving you guys to want to to watch the show more um, because, and I only say this through maybe the half of the pilot episode. I didn't like the main character, um, and I, and I get that he's an ordinary. Guy, isn't it? It's because he's the guitar guy. No, no, and no, no. Who shows no, no. up to a party like, and he has the. Let guitar. him explain. Let him explain. <laughs> okay, so, and, and uh, okay, so it's interesting. You guys are giving the reasons why you liked him and why he was this ordinary guy, and I guess with Bradley Cooper's character in the movie, he was a, an established writer who was just struggling to write his next book. Um, he, you know, he was already kind of, you kind of knew he was a smart guy. He just kind of needed a little kick and that's what NZT did in the pilot. I kind of felt like the main character. And like I said, this is how I felt for like a half hour of the pilot. I felt he was kind of too like slackerish. And like, I was like, really? Like this guy seems like the kind of guy that he gets on NZT and he might be kind of a douche. Now, now <laughs> movie now i know in the episode he does save his dad but in between all that i was like so he's just kind of a guy that he's like maybe in his t- i i couldn't tell honestly he looked to me like maybe late 20s early 30s mm-hmm. and i was like so you haven't done anything and so you're just lucky enough to get nzt and now your life is perfect i was like if anything it wasn't relatable to me it was just like kind of frustrating i was like you you gave the nzt pill to a very smart character with a bradley cooper character and it gave him that push and then this character is kind of like loser, slackers guy that just wants to be in a band his whole life. And then, like, even in the beginning of the pilot episode, his dad's saying, so what are you working on? He's like, oh, I got this album. Oh, but you can't find it yet because it's not made. And so he's making up all these excuses. And so I guess that kind of, like, it kind of annoyed me because I'm like, this guy shouldn't be getting NZT. This guy should not be getting NZT. Um, so, so anyway, so like I said, that was how I felt for the first half hour. But when I started to see the guy become compassionate for people, to care, to want to save his dad, to do whatever he could to save his dad, that's when my that's when my mind started to change about his character. And, and even in the second episode, I really enjoyed the seg- second episode a lot. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think of, of that, about my thoughts on, on, um, on that? I'm, I'm interested. I, I was to- going to say, Pete, wow, Pete, not appreciating artists or people who want to <laughs> make it in a band. Okay, so there goes our uh, you know, band listening audience. <laughs> Pete really doesn't want people to make music or, you know, follow their dreams. Maybe the whole ploy of this of this show is at the end of the season, we're going to get a bitchin' soundtrack that they're just going to sell all the CDs for. Yes. <laughs> it's not even going to be released as like soundtrack to Limitless. It's just like the band releases like yeah. <laughs> the actual band releases it. I don't um, know. Am I, am I, I, am I, I overthinking I, it? Was I going I to no, I, 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 I see I the do. logic. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you on there. I feel like the writers of the TV show were like, hmm, who would do a pill? Just a random pill. Hmm. They're like, you know, I don't know. I feel like they didn't really think the character through as well as Bradley Cooper's character was because like you said he he came with a lot of baggage mm-hmm. already that we found out quite quickly with you know his ex-lover and you know he's a struggling writer and yeah. he's obviously just in a horrible place in life which mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to I'm sure 
And I know that I wished I had one of those pills <laughs> a long time ago. But, yeah, I, I feel like his character was well fleshed out and well thought out. Whereas, I don't know, I think they have to stretch mm-hmm. that mystery out in the TV show. Whereas in the movie, you only have two hours to kind of introduce the character and then get people into him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that plays a plays a part or not. No, that's that's true. And, and then they are going to spend the whole season fleshing out the character, and they did do a good job of showing uh, his compassion and and how much he loves, you know, like his father. Like there's a pretty good, there's a pretty big, uh, strong bond between him and his father that's really starting to play out. Um, and, and it seems like it's probably going to play out through the whole uh, first season. Um, now getting to Bradley Cooper, uh, I was pretty excited to hear that he was going to have a cameo. You know, usually when a, mo- uh, a TV show is adapted from a movie, it's just kind of on its own. It stands alone. And, and there's really no connection to the movie beyond just the story they're trying to translate. Now, um, uh, Casey, what did you think of, of Cooper's inclusion and how Eddie Mora is going to be more than a cameo? It seems like he's going to uh, be tied in pretty well to the entire story arc of the whole series. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, I I thought it was cool. I'm glad that a guy like Bradley Cooper could take time out of his schedule to come and be on a TV show, or that he doesn't he doesn't think himself too good to be on a TV show. He might also be an executive producer, in which case, <laughs> it's not so generous of him. But and he is actually an executive. <laughs> all right, well then there it is. But uh, but I I think it is cool that that uh, he he that his character from the movie is included. It definitely helps bridge any fans of the movie help them get more inclined to the the television show faster um they might go into it in a later episode but in the pilot do they explain why he cares i because i don't i'm kind of drawing a blank as to why the hell bradley cooper's character cares about brian well he he did specific reason he did say that uh he something along the lines of he brian's in a position where he can have some sort of I don't know. No, he. Well, see, that's the he. Oh, sorry. No, but ahead, he needs Brian to be, to be able to get into a position in which he can find him to be useful. Right. That's well, true. this is this is one of the gripes I had with it because, as Pete said, Brian is not really a straight A student. He's not really a really like incredible guy. So why can't mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper just like go find someone better? Yeah. Give them the pill. Why does it have to be Brian? Because the writers wrote the show, and that's what they wrote. (laughs) Did you guys get the feeling, like, I know we've all seen the movie, but do you feel like that people have to see the movie to enjoy the show? Or do you feel like, no? Okay. No, I don't. They repeat a lot of the the whole idea of NZT and what it does to you um, so much in the first two episodes that I don't feel like you have to watch the movie to enjoy the show especially since i've only ever seen the movie once after it was released and i I still understood what was going on yeah i i I think to me the pilot was almost almost the exact same uh story as the as the 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 movie um a lot of the things that happens to brian a lot of the exact same things that happened to bradley cooper's character in the movie everything just the way it goes down um, the narration, the shots, everything is almost exactly the same as the movie. Uh, so in that sense, no, I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to watch the movie. I think it, I think you should watch the movie if you've never seen it before, because Limitless yeah, is an amazing film. So uh, you should go see it. But um, but I no, love I, that it, I love that it's shot in a similar style. 
Yeah, you know, and one of the complaints I heard was somebody on Twitter said it was too. They said, uh, "Is it always going to be this talky?" And I was just like, "Did you not see the movie? Like that's like he's talking the whole time." Um, uh, what What do you think of that, Matt? Is it too talky? Is it too much? Or is it just like how the movie should be and and just keep it that way? I think um, if they're going to do a limitless show, they should at least like try to make it similar to the movie, uh, not in just plot points, but like how it's paced and how it sounds and. Uh, talky, I, I, I don't understand why that would be a bad thing. If they wanted a superhero show, turn to another channel. There's like a dime a dozen out there. But like uh, for a show where it's about a guy taking a pill and he gets a lot small, uh, smart, smaller. Well, no, that's Ant-Man. Uh, <laughs> he takes a pill and he gets a lot smarter. Um, and he's willing and he's able to like, you know, number crunch and, uh, you know, um, comprehend all this information at the same time how are you not going to have a talkie show so i don't understand that that criticism but um if you're if you're in for the being the bang bang shoot 'em ups and you know other stuff watch like ncis or something like that this is not the show for you <laughs> um I, I i do agree with casey that yeah there are a lot of similarities uh with, with the movie and the show and how it's shot um and uh, the characters are very similar too when they're both on uh, NZT. Like, if I didn't know any better, I think they'd the, the characters would be brothers or something like that. Bradley Cooper's character in the movie and then um, in the show, they have the same kind of look. I guess maybe that's what the producers were going for. So um, overall, yeah, I think it was um, a good adaptation and continuation of of the movie. And I think people should still watch the movie um, because you get a lot more. Um, out of uh, Bradley Cooper's character and his, you know, loomingness in the background, because you see him go from random writer to now he's a, uh, what's it called, a senator, senator and stuff like yeah. that. So um, it's interesting to see his character go from the movie and now he's almost like a villain so much in the uh, show. So um, yeah, I shall. I, I I say if you don't have to watch it before watching the series, but if you like what you're seeing on TV already. Then, then definitely watch the movie in between uh, while you're waiting for the next episode to come out. So, do you think they would? Sorry, just before we finish here, do you think they would try and get Robert De Niro to like cameo? Oh, all? I hope so. That would be oh, great. I, ho I hope so. I think Bradley that'd be Cooper amazing. probably has them on speed dial. Yeah, yeah. It might cost a little it's bit like of money, bros. But, <laughs> but they should totally do it. Yeah, uh, that would be pretty awesome, actually, because you know they're they're actually in. In the show, they they seem like they want to take down NZT and anybody that's that's kind of created it or part of it, and and yeah. that would lead them to the whole Eddie Mora thing, which I think is cool how they're kind of tying that all in together. Um, but yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Um, all right, so real quickly, last thoughts on Limitless. I want to ask you guys this quick question: Is it going to be uh, a Casualty of War and canceled, or are is it going to be a, a renewal survivor? Uh, Sarah, what do you think? I think it'll survive actually for the first season. Casey? I think it'll make it to at least two. I, I, I really like the pilot. Then again, I've only seen the pilot, and I don't have a good track record with calling this kind of <laughs> stuff, so we'll see. Uh, Everett? Yeah, I, I think it's going to survive just because there's so many people that love the movie. And honestly, there's been some really, really bad shows that have gone past one season lately. So, <laughs> Good point. Very good point. Uh, Matt? Yeah, I, I think it's going to survive. Um, it, there's, there's too many, like, big-name people attached to this for it not to survive at least one more season. Yeah, agreed. And I'm going to go surviving as well. All right, so moving on, we're going to talk about another new show that just came out a couple weeks ago. And that's Blindspot. 
that is starring Jamie Alexander. If you're not familiar with her, well, go watch Thor, an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She guest starred as Lady Sif. Um, she plays the title character in the show. And uh, I'll just start off by saying I, I, I enjoyed the first episode. I, I enjoyed the pilot. Um, and, you know, I, I think it has uh, quite a bit of potential. Um, Casey, did you, did you, do you, are you enjoying Blight Spot? What do you, what do you think of what they're doing so far? So I don't know if you remember when we talked about uh, Blind Spot originally. I had a little, I had a little bit of an outburst, and I made a bet, kind of, with myself. I said if out, if uh, Blind Spot gets the same kind of ratings that Mr. Robot gets, <laughs> I will, <laughs> then I will eat a shoe. That's right. And, I that. and really, so I, Casey? I, I, you were there. <laughs> no, no, but no, but do you realize that Mr. Robot was on USA and Blind right. Spot is on? Either NBC or CBS. I don't have a TV, so it's I don't NBC. know which one. NBC. It's on NBC, but it's okay. also a terrible show. So, true. So well, still true. Kind of I agree with you. Uh, it shouldn't, but it will. <laughs> I, of course, I'm joking. Of course, I'm joking. Blind Spot is a fantastic show. I love it very much uh, because it's just like I don't know. It's just it's like watching a Nick Cage movie to me. <laughs> I just deeply there's just something deeply enjoyable about it where like this main this main detective guy is very like overly serious and like knows things that he can't possibly know even the even in the first scene when like the the main bomb guy goes out to check the bag that that she's in and like the zipper opens he like jumps like like way back and he's all scared. I'm like, dude, you're way too jumpy to be the first line of defense against a bomb. <laughs> Isn't he wearing a bomb outfit too? Yeah, he's got he's got a bomb suit on and everything. I'm like, I understand it's a stressful situation, but I mean like you're a bomb diffuser. Why are you so scared of bags? <laughs> That's very true. Uh Sarah, what did what did you think of the pilot and even the second episode if you watched it? Um, I did watch the second episode, and the second episode is better than the first episode. However, I still don't really care for the show. Probably for the same reason that Casey likes it. It feels like a Nick Cage movie, and <laughs> it just bothers me so much because I really don't like the writing, and I want them to recast um, who's the agent that she's working with. I, uh, oh. Weller? Weller? The, Weller, oh, Kurt the Weller? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. say Bauer? <laughs> no, Kurt Weller. Can I spoil something that happens in the second episode? Please, or is uh, it? might as well. Yeah. Okay, so they they reveal like his supposed connection to her through a scar on her neck. I know it's not. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so why do you already have them do that reveal so early on in the season rather than let it be a through line for at least the first half? So, and I would find it more interesting for it to turn out that she's not Taylor Shaw, who's a girl he knew when he was younger, who was kidnapped supposedly by his father. And that mystery is still unresolved. So I feel like it would be more interesting if it turns out that that's not the case. And that's not why they're connected. And it's because of some other reason that has yet to be discovered. And instead, he is, um, because his father's dying at the moment, he is trying to resolve that tragedy from his past by placing it on this new mystery in his life through Jane Doe. I would just would find that way more interesting. 
Yeah, I did find it interesting that they revealed that quickly. Um, it, you're right, Sarah. Something like that. You think that with the um, a brand new show, they would allow to keep dragging out. This seems like a like even like a season two or season three type of reveal uh, thing. Um, so it's uh, I'm not sure what the writers are going for on that, unless they really want the audience to be into it right then and there. And then there's other things. I mean, her body is completely tattooed up, and they've called they're they've already called it. Uh, the treasure map. We'll get to that in just a bit. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, Sarah, is is this uh, Jason Bourne? Is this Jane Doe equals Jason Bourne? What, uh, what do you think of, of that style and that how they're kind of using that story a little bit to to drive the whole show? Um, sure. I I I don't I don't like it, um, <laughs> but I like the Jason Bourne movies. But Pete, what I wanted to say. Is is anybody else afraid that Jane Doe is going to get cancer because of how many times they've scanned her <laughs> with those lasers? Like three sixty, <laughs> and they keep showing that in episodes. So I'm not sure if that's like the same shot or if they just every day is like get in the scanner, get in the X-ray, get in the infrared, man. We- right. I'm just a little concerned for her health right now. Can we put like an like a lead vest on her or something? <laughs> Seriously, it's 360 degrees that they're scanning. <laughs> That's actually really funny. I, and I wanted to. Funny, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I find it kind of funny that they named the mat, like the tattoo stuff all over her body, the treasure map. That can be. <laughs> That that can be construed right. Quite it's like odd, oddly sexual to the wrong people, right? That's just I'm, yeah. Kind of just that's like, the first thing that I'm I thought gonna, of. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you guys. So I haven't seen Blind Spot. I've seen five minutes of it. I <laughs> heard Jamie so you've Kennedy. Seen yeah, you've seen it. I, <laughs> I yeah, I heard Jamie Kennedy. I heard not Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Alexander <laughs> was naked in the first five minutes, and I turned it on, and I was just like, "God, this seems bad." And I turned it off every, after every five minutes. You. Did, you, did you get confused that the call letters were NBC and not HBO? So even though <laughs> right, she was right. naked, she would not be naked. <laughs> oh, I, fig- I figured. I figured. You know. Whatever. Yeah. But no, I was just the, like it. It just seems so lame. That whole bomb defusing scene was just so bad. Uh, I just I, I couldn't get into it. I don't know. No, I, I, I wanted, don't like you, Everett. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, uh, ask you guys too. Um, and uh, well, actually, Sarah, you saw the second episode. So, mm-hmm. did you get the feeling? Um, in the the uh, the actress, her name's Ashley Johnson, who plays kind of the techie scientisty girl in the show. Mm-hmm. Did you get kind of a Felicity vibe from her? Like, she's kind of got this quirkiness to her, and then she's correcting people that are saying things wrong, where she's saying it, like, the technical way, but then people want to, like, say it, like, you know, like, another way. And she's like, oh, that's right, but it's actually this way. Did you get that at all? I kind of got the Felicity vibe from her. Well, it's very similar, and, I mean, we watch Arrow, so she's blonde, she's into science and computers, and she's smart and quirky, so, yeah, that's Felicity. So they they have that type on the show. Hold the phone, Sarah, everyone. I'm sorry I'm interrupting. Are you telling me Sarah Johnson's in this show? Is it Sarah? Ashley Johnson's on this show? I'm sorry. She is. She's the main character. She's awesome. 
Which yeah. is the main character? No, she's no. one of the one of the main characters. She's okay. part of the team. Yeah, she's part of the I team. I am going to start watching this show just <laughs> let me just say some couple things. Number one, um, all you Last of Us fans on PlayStation, that's Ellie, the main character from that video game. So everybody that's a fan of that, watch that. She's awesome. She's a cool human being. Um uh, if the show sucks, then I, uh, uh, I'm sorry for her because she's a true talent, and that's the soapbox. I'm stepping off of it. Goodbye. Oh, she's also oh, the so daughter. Nice. She's so also nice. Mel Gibson's daughter in What Women Want. Oh, that's right. I've heard, that's oh it, yeah. Good trivia. That's, good that's trivia. where I know her from. I that is where I know her from. Wait, you didn't know well, her from well, growing things? Be, no, because there is one other thing that we've seen that she's in. She is the waitress that is being interviewed at the end of the Avengers yes. film. Yes, you are my best she- friend, Everett. <laughs> <laughs> You're also on IMDb. <laughs> yes, I am. But I do. But I do remember. I was just like. Yeah, they they took they took such a like you know I I can you know I like what women want. She was good in that movie, but yeah, they yeah. were just like, yeah, we'll give her a give her a waitress role at the end of Avengers. <laughs> she can talk about how Cap saved her life. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, so the treasure maps. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. Um, they we called ser- it the treasure map within like five minutes too. Yeah, seriously. Like the Jack Bauer dude walks in, and he's just like, lady covered in tattoos must be a treasure map. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, be, oh, I'm gonna be genius, looking for brilliant. the X. I'm like, Casey, it the just X. supports your theory that this is a Nick Cage movie because National Treasure. Exactly. Exa- that's what I was thinking the entire time. I'm like, I'm like the, 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 the bad guy wants to blow up the Statue of Liberty. I'm like, only two people want to do that. It's villains in a Nick Cage movie or villains in a 1960s Batman movie. You know what? It's funny. We're talking about treasure map. Seriously, someone needs to like rip the pilot from you know and, and edit in their way just just splice in uh archer saying phrasing every time they then bring up treasure map i think that would be a, a very good idea and it's it could a be a good... little like uh sound like like drop in the back is this archer saying <laughs> phrasing <laughs> exactly she recut the whole episode yeah i, I agree exactly I'd, I'd watch this if nick cage burst into a scene <laughs> he's just like stand still I have to see this map. <laughs> and that's the season There's finale. That right. Kind of the season finale is when Sean Bean shows up and gets killed in the end. No. <laughs> it's going to happen. do it. It's going to happen. Wait, I thought that was one of the few movies where he didn't die. I thought he just got yeah. arrested in that movie. Yeah. No? Nope. Okay, never well, mind. There was, there was one of them. No, there was one of them where he was like, they were underneath like, I don't even know where they were. They were in some like temple, hidden temple underneath one of the national monuments, and someone falls down a deep hole. I don't remember <laughs> if it was him or not. It was probably Sean Bean. I apologize, everyone. <laughs> All right. So um, to end the blind spot talk, let's let's do a quick uh, run through again. Uh, cancellation victim or renewal survivor, Casey? Uh, cancellation. Tattoos aren't edgy, and Wiz Khalifa already beat them to it. <laughs> uh, Sarah. Oh, it's going to survive. Like, I, I don't like the show, but it's going to survive, especially based off of the t- Twitter reaction I saw. So, yeah. Uh, Everett. I think it's going to be a blind spot in history. Oh. Yeah. You guys are so optimistic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt. It's going to get picked up for one gloriously terrible second season. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I can. I, I think NBC's so funky with their shows. Um, they're almost like Fox in that way, but sometimes they tend to let the crappy shows go on longer than they should. Uh, hashtag Whitney. Um, 
So oh, that so let's see here. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna say that it's gonna get at least another season um, because I think it'll probably get enough ratings to to keep going and um, people like Jamie Alexander. So next up we got Heroes Reborn, which is a bit of a reboot in a way, not not necessarily a brand new show. Um, and I wanted to talk to you guys th- about this because, uh, like I had mentioned uh, during our, um, we we did talk about it, uh, talk a little bit about it. Um, and I can't remember if it was a returning shows or new shows or what, but you know, and how it, it when the first round of heroes came around, there wasn't this run of DC and Marvel films. Um, you know, what do you guys think? Uh, will the DC and Marvel rise in TV shows hurt Heroes Reborn? Uh, Sarah, what do you think? Actually, I think you're exactly right on that point because that's what I was feeling while watching it. Um, well, that and I was playing Sudoku and falling asleep simultaneously. <laughs> but I felt that superhero fatigue, especially considering there isn't a comic book canon that viewers can hope to see incorporated in the show in this. Instead, it kind of felt like what they were doing was pulling Easter eggs from the original series. Mm-hmm. Back in 2005, so viewers who are returning can pick up on little things here and there, um, little Easter eggs based off of the previous season, rather than in like a comic book show where there's Easter eggs from the comic book canon. Um, so that's what I was watching or thinking about during the show, not paying attention. <laughs> no, it's it's, and I think it's a fair question because, like I said, you know, there wasn't this. It wasn't an arrow. There wasn't a, a, a flash. There wasn't a agent uh, agents of shield. Even Netflix. If you want to go to Netflix, you got Daredevil. You got Jessica Jones coming out soon. I mean, I don't feel like people are going to care about heroes. Maybe maybe the most loyal diehard fans will care. But that that brings me to my next question: Is this all fan service, or is there a point to this? Or you know, is this just going to be like a little run and then we never see it again? Um, I don't think loyal. I feel like all the loyal diehard fans stopped watching back in season three of, of the original Heroes, so I don't know if there's any of those left. I, I feel like I feel like Heroes, you know, everybody said it. Heroes came about like right after the original Spider-Man film, like with what's his name, Tobey Maguire came out. And so every, it was like the big superhero craze. And if you go back and watch season one of, of the original Heroes, the the effects that they use for some of the powers are really bad, but I I just feel like the style and the way that the show was written is still back in that time, even for Heroes Reborn, back in like the early two thousands. More with you, Everett. Yeah, I just I just feel like it's yeah, I just feel like it's not it's not caught up. It's like the people that have been writing the show haven't heard of arrow or the flash or yeah. any of these Marvel films. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to go to heroes when you got the flash and arrow and, and, and like I said, agents of shield even and daredevil. Right. It's, it's all there now with this. I feel like there's no reason for it. And then, and then to top it off, there's like a million characters that we're getting introduced to on top of some of the old characters that, that they had before. And, and it, it's right. almost like it's almost like Game of Thrones, but I'm not interested like I am in Game of Thrones <laughs> with this. Um, like I care about Game of Thrones, so I care about these characters. Not so much with heroes. I'm not getting that at all. And and just the pilot overall to me just was like, eh, you know, it was it was just there. Like I yeah. I was like, nah, like it's it's 
I guess like, and I guess that's that goes back to one of my questions, which was, is this all fan service? Which I I kind of feel like it is. I feel like this is just to appease a lot of the fans. Maybe they did some petition that we didn't know about that the fans wanted more heroes. Um, but I, I I really to me it's going to be one of those things where um, uh, sadly it's not going to go along with its name. It's gonna it's not going to be reborn. It's just going to go back to to uh, cancellation hell, and and we're probably never going to hear from it again. Uh, sorry, like yep. yeah. I kind of feel like it could, could have been one of those situations where it's kind of like metaphorically where people are standing around and they're like, oh, yeah, let's go streaking, let's go streaking, you know, and then one guy run, takes his clothes off and runs off and he looks behind him and no one really is following him. And he's just like, well, got to got to follow it through. Like, I feel like when they announced the show. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get Hero back. We're going to get freaking mm-hmm. Peter, you know, the, Siler the two brothers. And- yeah, Siler and everyone back. And then only freaking Horn Rim Glasses signed on. <laughs> and they were just like, well, people want us to do the show. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. It, it, I, I don't know. I, I just I, I feel the same way. And and that's the thing. Like even in the previews, they're kind of teasing like hero. They're they're teasing all these little characters that that can come back, but might only be there for one episode. And, and that might not be enough. If anything, it might drive away way the fans that it already has. And that, not to mention, like I said, it, it was just OK. It was nothing spectacular. It was just very OK to me. And I like I said, I, I found myself flipping on like an old episode of, of the flash on my DVR. Cause I mean that, sorry, that's the time we live in now. It, it's filled with DC and Marvel stuff. There's no reason to create a superhero show that has nothing of source material. So sure there is viewers and money and advertising. Oh. That's why they did it. They've, they have heard of arrow and flash and, right. but they don't have rights to any of those properties. They have rights to heroes because that was their show. So I can see the incentive of doing a show like this. Viewers, I don't think, really want it necessarily, or what they brought us wasn't that great. I just thought it was funny when, I think in the first like 30 minutes of episode of the pilot, they did the scene where the vigilante, or the, the luchador, oh God, yeah. <laughs> jumps like from, you know, from a rooftop, and, and I'm just, he's wearing a dark green hood that... I feel like he should have been like, yes. you know, criminal who's chasing this woman. <laughs> you have failed this city. That would have been so awesome. <laughs> no, he totally like, looked like Arrow, though. It was did. totally Arrow. It was Arrow in a lucha mask. Like, it was crazy. No, you're, so, yeah. you're exactly right, Everett. Uh, that, that, that's exactly what I thought when I saw that scene. I was like, this is Arrow. This is, this, that's what they're trying to copy right now, so. I don't know. That's just, yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I think uh, you know. I don't know what the whole point of this. Like I was talking about, like fan service. Is there a point to this? Do you guys seeing this, uh, Everett? I'll start with you. Do you see this? Uh, see this as uh, becoming a thing, or is this just a one shot deal? They're going to have their little run right now, and then sayonara, heroes. Who I feel like it didn't. It got panned pretty hard. In, in the ratings, but I feel like if if they can get viewers, you know, they'll try and do more just because Heroes does have some history to it. But I think if the ratings are low, they're going to they're just going to cut it. 
Yeah, I will so. say I will say this: they were smart putting it on a Thursday night and nowhere touching no, not touching uh, Tuesday or Wednesday at all, because that would have been a death sentence. Yeah. Um, uh, Sarah, what do you think? Cancellation or uh, or renewal? Cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> uh, Casey, it, oh, sorry. Isn't it a mini series? It, it is, but I, I think it was something to kind of. I think what they wanted to do was see how well the show would do, and then hopefully it would be successful that they could launch, maybe like another stream. Don't of, do it. Of, don't uh, do it. Of years, but I don't know. It doesn't look. Don't like do it. Uh, Casey, Matt, do you, do you guys have an opinion on? I, whether didn't, it's I didn't watch it. Okay, Matt. I was uh, patiently waiting since I was the resident hero uh, heroes yeah. fan. Um, so the I, I feel like okay. I'm not a super duper fan, like how some people will chime in on the internet after I say this, but I was a big fan of Heroes, and I believe that what happened was, and we touched on this last week where we were saying how the uh, it was during like the writer strike to, for like the, for after the first season. Um, I know a lot of big fans of the first season really wanted a like a decent shot at another chance at seasons two and three, a subs a real subsequent season where they weren't distracted, they didn't have the B-team writers coming in and putting up crap, <laughs> essentially. So um, uh, I was really excited for this show. And unfortunately, like everyone said here, it really let me down. Um, I was really excited that Zachary Levi was in the show. I was really excited that Horman Glasses was going to be the uh, main, I would say, protagonist of the show, so to speak. Like he was the like the thread line for through all their stories. I was very excited about that. He was easily the best character in the first season. Um, and I, or at least my personal favorite, and I was just so let down by everything. It was so boring. It was the most boring. We're talking about people with superpowers. How can you be boring? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, uh, yeah this thing is going to be canceled so fast. Because no one wants to watch it. And it's really sad what you said, Pete. Like we live in at a time where if you don't have previous media, if you don't if something on television or in a movie needs to have something uh backing it up, like something preceding it. There's mm -hmm. nothing, there's no room for original superheroes anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's super duper sad if you think about it. But it's unless somebody comes out with something that is truly original as much as heroes did in this first season and as compelling as they did. Unfortunately, we're just going to be keep getting DC. Oh, no, maybe not unfortunately, but we're going to keep getting DC Marvel stuff. And until an original superhero thought comes out, I'm sorry, heroes, but you are not the one. <laughs> it, I was so the disappointment is so real, and I'm so sorry to say that out loud. Heroes, you have failed this TV. <laughs> you have failed this city. Oh my gosh, Luchador fucking mask. What a, <laughs> It could have been cool. Let me just say, Luchador mask could have been cool, oh. but no, it wasn't. It, was it so wasn't cool. even a real Lucha mask. It, it was like really a wasn't. rubber. It was like Some a kind of gift mask or something. Poly... It was stupid. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, guys? Come on. <laughs> you looked like you wanted a face cast. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, uh, it's, terrible. It's, it's, it was like, it was the cape level of terrible. Let me oh, just say. Oh, <laughs> it was, to me, it was that that's bad. bad. That's and I that's, think we need to, I think the cape needs to show up in here. <laughs> just, just as well. be like, I'm there. back. <laughs> Him uh, and Nick Cage. Someone needs to shoot a reminder. When they, when they cancel Heroes, someone needs to shoot a reminder to NBC, NBC and say, you know what? You had Constantine. You fucked up. So, um, you goofed up, bros. You goofed up. You had Constantine. Exactly. Um, so okay, so that is going to do it for the uh, that's going to do it for the uh, heroes 
Reborn talk. All right, so last but certainly not least, we're going to get into Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which kicked off pretty well this past week. Um, now Did we're... It? Yeah, yeah. Is that, was, cool. that, was that a, was that a gay, it? Casey? <laughs> nope, that's me. that's me settling in for the night. Uh, see you guys in the morning. <laughs> Good conversation. As you can Ooh. tell, uh, Casey's a huge uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Um, so, you know... Marvel's kicking off the whole Inhuman stuff pretty soon here in the cinematic universe, but you know we're getting a taste of it here in the show. Um, Everett, what do you think of of how they're handling the Inhuman storyline? Uh, really, just I mean they're fully embracing it in this third season. What do you think of that? Oh man, just the what kept going through my head when I was watching this this premiere was that this basically is the mutants. <laughs> like, like you know, it's been yeah. known that Marvel's, you know, replacing all mutants and all Fox properties with Inhumans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it it hasn't ever been as clear what they were doing up until this point. Like, it's just crazy how, like, the parallels between the, like, the 90s era X-Men and this new S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Like, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's just crazy to see, you know, like, the government come cracking down on these powered beings and they're being persecuted. And you've, you've got this small team of people that are going around trying to find them and bring them and, you know, into the fold and... They'll probably, you know, they're going to make the, I guess, what are they calling it? The Secret Avengers? Secret Warriors. Secret Warriors, which which are a team in the the comics. But I feel like the Secret Warriors that they're going to form is basically going to be kind of a kind of a half price X-Men team. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I I thought it, I thought it was a good, uh, good beginning. There's a little, a couple weird scenes that I I wrote down that, um, we can talk about. Like I I wrote down that there was just a a scene where agent Coulson was walking around with a grumpy cat mug. (laughs) And I I don't know if anyone noticed that. I just thought it was funny. Like he he obviously was holding it so that the camera could see that it was grumpy cat. (laughs) And then, um, Daisy also can use her powers without her gauntlets, which um, I don't know. I don't get why she needs the gauntlets if she can use them without. And I don't know what, what it, Pete. What did you think of the the graphics for the powers, like the 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 fight scene at the end there? Like it? Did, um, did you think they? I felt like they kind of look kind of Doctor Who type quality. Well, <laughs> Um, well, okay, I'll be honest with you. I, I've never seen Doctor Who before, so I can't oh, what? I can't make what? that Pete, that is that is your homework. Come on, Whoa. man. <laughs> Neither have I. Whoa. That sound Whoa. that, that oh, sound you heard geez. was uh yeah. half half if not all of our, our listeners shutting yeah. off the podcast right now. Um, the podcast is offensive today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Like, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the, some of the action sequences. I can see where they would probably not look great. It's funny. It's interesting too because it's ABC, and you think their budget would be much bigger, and and they would be able to pull off uh, certain things. I mean, I did like the the very beginning sequence where Daisy does uh, does save this uh, Inhuman. I, I thought that the action sequence there was pretty good. Uh, but as far as the yeah. end. Um, you know, I guess I'm kind of on on the same level as you. I I, I thought it, they probably could have looked a lot better, 
Um, it was but, a little wonky. <laughs> yeah, a little wonky. Yeah, little wonky. yeah. I'm mainly, I'm mainly referring to the part where Lincoln and Daisy are going like Emperor Palpatine on on Lash. You know, just <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I thought that kind of looked bad. I, I thought the bad guy was kind of cool though. Like I'm interested to see where where he goes. Um, Sarah, can you talk a little bit about that character you mentioned him in your in your article, which you actually can find on uh, the gww.com. Um, her her Agents of Shield recap. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about uh, the the villain that Daisy and uh, Lincoln fought? That's a question for Everett. <laughs> yeah. My knowledge of Inhumans and the comic books, no. Pete, why why do you set me up for failure every time? (laughs) So um, I mentioned him because um, I heard people talk about it being Lash. So thank you, Pete. Moving on. (laughs) All right, Everett, can you give us some background on this character? Yeah, he basically... He's he's basically just an inhuman that goes around killing and absorbing other inhumans like he can take the energy from other inhumans Does that makes sense so he's siler <laughs> yeah yeah but well he can't steal their powers per, oh, per se but that's like, like his he, like his yeah he's basically a vampire uh, an inhuman vampire basically like he you know that's why whenever they were shooting him with their beams he was able to kind of withstand it and almost got stronger but yeah, he he's he you know the way he looks in the show, whether you know whatever you think of that or not, is pretty damn close to what he looks like in the comics. So he's pretty creepy. He's got like this weird like anime hair that they pulled off with quite you know they're pretty pretty precise on on how spiky his hair was in that show. Anime hair is very very much appropriate. <laughs> yeah. they're gonna go Super Saiyan. It's like is he gonna power up like ah. Sorry, but yeah, basically, that. basically what you saw there was was you know the mystery of who's killing all these inhumans, and then you find out it's it's another inhuman. That's kind of the whole crux of this season, I think, is that Lash is not not only is this government organization hunting inhumans, but so is this other like super powerful inhuman as well. Okay, um, yeah, do you think? You would rather see him in the cinematic universe, or are you you good with him on on TV? I'm good. I'm good with him on TV. He's not. He's not been around that long. He's he's only been around since June of last year. So he's not like a character that's been written for a long time. But I feel like I feel like a lot of, especially this new guy that um, I'm. I'm lost his name here i had the cast and crew up this this new guy that is that's melting metals yeah i feel like he's kind of lame <laughs> is he is he someone that's gonna be like with us the whole season or is this like kind of just somebody we're gonna see now we might see him somewhere down the line i don't i feel like i don't know like i'm not sure if because I mean, they had the guy at the the very first episode of Shield that like went up in the burning building and mm-hmm. he like jumped out of it and stuff. I don't I don't feel like he came back, did he? No, nope, it was. The, I I remember that only because I think they played that commercial like every five minutes before the show premiered. Right. That was like their right. big thing. Um, so I wonder if this guy, if this Joey is is kind of like that, like he he shows you like what an inhuman is and kind of reminds you that people have powers. And 
but I feel like that's a super lame power to have. <laughs> um, now, you know, we, we didn't see Hydra. They were mentioned a little bit in the show. Um, Matt, do you find this new secret organization, do you, do you think they're going to play, like, a very pivotal role? Are they going to team up with, with Coulson? Because now it seems like, you know, one side thought the other was killing in humans, and it turns out neither of them will. Uh, what do you think of this of this uh, new organization coming into the fold, Matt? Yeah, I think, like, um, the they're, they're, uh, they're only there just so other people can get involved with um, how to deal with people with powers and humans and stuff like that. Um, I think the, the, what's his name again? Like the guy, the, the, the <laughs> I'm going to call him the inhuman vampire now. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, his name's Lash. Yeah, he, I feel like he's going to be just the common enemy that brings everyone together at the very end and be like, we all need to stop the bad ones and save the good ones. And then, um, uh, you know, let's help people like Joey who are just scared about their powers and stuff like that. So I, I don't think that this, uh, government organization and they're going to step on each other's toes throughout the whole season and I think they are going to play a pivotal role in like you know the main plot of the storyline I don't think they're going to band together too quickly um, I think the biggest thing going forward though from uh, Coulson's uh, team would be um, how do I how, like well one where where the hell is uh, Simmons <laughs> yeah um and to uh, just how, how do we keep like trying to rebuild even with like, you know, all these people in, with power and stuff like that? How do we keep that under wraps? And then um, is this season going to cross like into the Captain America Civil War event? Like how they did with I feel um, like it's going to it should like they'll mention it. But I, I feel like it's all going to kind of culminate again when Civil War happens. And then kind of what happened with um, – they're going to pretty much emulate what happened with um, the Winter Soldier. Like it's going right. to be one big event and then it's going to change the show dynamic overall and stuff like that. So um, It depends on if they take like a several week break like they did last true, season to true. try and stretch it out to meet a movie deadline. Well, that's how we got Agent Carter, right? <laughs> so, right, right. So what did maybe they'll just emulate of- the same thing. What do you think of Andrew Howard, our our discount Jason Statham as one of the bad guys? <laughs> discount Jason Statham. You know, uh, that's quick, very You know what? Um, he's the same guy, bad guy in Limitless. From Limitless. I was yeah. gonna say yeah. <laughs> we we connected that very well, guys. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought he looked familiar, and he's kind of he's definitely a, a, a poor man's Jason Statham, but but he was <laughs> he really is. he is yeah, but it was. Yeah, he was interesting as henchman number one. So you know, it was it was entertaining. Um, I kind of enjoyed Constance Zimmer's character. She's the new. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if she's a bad guy or not. We don't we don't know yet. Um, she's but, from um, Entourage, right? She looks super familiar. She's an Entourage. She was in House of House Cards. House of Cards. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, that's right. I, I've always enjoyed uh, when she's on a TV show because she's she's very she's she's a very good actress. Uh, she's she very, plays comedy and dramatic really well. She does. She does, and I think she fits well with uh, with Coulson's. Uh, that they, they had a bit of a, a back and forth on the train, which you know Sarah mentioned this in her, in her article. Uh, it's done very very well. Yeah, I I love that scene between them two because it's them um, verbally sparring rather than fighting each other. But you can see the potential for them being adversaries as well as um, allies 
because you have Lash and the enemy of the enemy is my friend. So I really appreciated that scene. And also what that scene did is you had the one-liner zingers from Coulson that were matched um, by Roz. In addition to that, there was also that um, those nods to the KBG and to spies. And something that I think S.H.I.E.L.D. for the past few seasons has been trying to capture that idea of being a spy type show, but hasn't really lived up to it. Um, they've wanted to be that, but they've focused way too more on the spectacle of the being in the same universe as the Marvel movies and being connected to them. Now they're really trying to focus more on um, exploring this team and this idea that these are spies. Some of them have powers, some of them don't. And just the idea of espionage within this universe. Yeah, and at 100% set up the the parallels between Ross and Coulson you know mm -hmm. just to show yeah. that they're basically the exact same person just on two different sides of the coin yeah. so that was kind of cool um, anyone confused when saying Sky and Daisy because Coulson seems to be no I think he, he, he I don't think he's confused so much as he's still holding on to the girl he met in season one and that idea yeah, of so. who she was because his daughter is Scott, not Daisy. Daisy's um I forget his name from season two, but um the mayor from guy. Portlandia. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so so his owner I don't want to say ownership, but his relationship with Daisy is defined by her being Sky, the same girl that he's sort of nurtured into becoming this woman. Yeah, and, you know, as we've seen, Sky, uh, Daisy, see, I, I even did it right now. Daisy, she's all grown up. Insert insert scene from Swingers with Vince Vaughn. She's all grown up, all grown up. Um, you should try saying it one more time. We might get the reference piece. All grown up. All grown <laughs> up. You, what, you mean like that one Road Rash show? What? No? I, no? You lost <laughs> Road Rash, all grown I got that one. Go back oh, to yeah. All right, I so, got Casey's reference. Yeah. <laughs> I did what not. Swingers Pete, you old <laughs> man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So last but not least, uh, what do you guys think of Fitz going renegade? I mean, he just like, this is a side of Fitz we have never seen before. I mean, he went to extreme lengths to figure out how he can get uh, Simmons back. Um, Sarah, what did you think of, of this different side of Fitz? Uh, Fitz. Fitz. I love Fitz. He's always been my favorite character. Um, even though I've never been the biggest fan of the show, I've always like started to watch and then fallen off. And then everybody says it's good again. So I get back on and then fall off again. So it's been, but with this episode, you really saw him um, balance those ideas of being calm and collected and cool by going off on this renegade mission, something that I don't think the fits from season one would have been able to do. And then to come back home with his colleagues and his quote unquote protectors in a sense, and to break down at the end was just such an emotionally raw moment for him. I really, really like that. And I want to see that actor in more things. And I hope like this is just the start for him because he's really impressing me. Yeah, I feel pretty much the exact same way. But 
I feel like, did I miss something in season two? Like, does he not have brain damage anymore? I don't think it's like he he doesn't. I think he's um I think he's still working on it and it's I don't I don't he's know. Like better at coping with his gaps in memory, something like that. Yeah. Thank you, they're Matt. Almost, a more focused and stuff yeah, like they're that. almost not noticeable, like especially in the like scenes from the this. Side, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I almost felt like he didn't have any of those those pauses anymore where he, you know, got confused or whatever. I was like, did I miss like, did he touch like an alien object that made it better? Well, he <laughs> but, touched one at the end. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I agree. Like, I, I'm glad that they're steering away from that side of Fitz because I thought Fitz in season two was horrible. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. My favorite character in, in season one and season two is, or yeah, right. and then he got super boring all of a sudden. Yeah, like I don't get why they took the comedic relief and the best character in the whole show and put him through something like that and destroyed his character. And now they're b- trying to build him back up into something more interesting than he was in season two. But like, like Sarah said, I think it's it's going to be a really interesting ride for him. It'll be cool right. to see. And this whole season, I think um, it'll be interesting to see if um, what the consistency of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be this season in comparison to the other two. Because I, I really liked the first episode for what it was. Yeah, it, it was it was a good setup, I believe, for the rest of the, right. uh, the, rest of the season. And, 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 and uh, you know, credit to the writers, because I feel like they've... First and second seasons seem kind of different than this third one. And I know it's just the first episode, but I feel like the show's grown up. Um, and mm-hmm. and by leaps and bounds, and and it's it's certainly more interesting it, it, interesting to me. I not that I didn't like the show, but there were just a lot of a, lo- a lot of things I, I had issues with. Um, but this one was uh, it was it was very very good. So it'll be it'll be uh, exciting to see how the rest of the season plays out for sure. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So um, do we not want to mention that last scene with with uh, oh Gemma? Simmons? Simmons? Yeah. The, what did you guys think of that? Just real quick before we before we end, because I feel like that's the reason I'm going to keep watching this whole season. So I want to know where the hell she's at. Who's going to call the Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> oh, I was just right. going to say that. Were you going to say that too? What would you I do if Chris it? Pratt just showed up in his spaceship and saves her? Uh, that'd be I dope. I think people would watch. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and then it cuts to them leaving with the Pina Colada song playing oh, dude, that'd be the best. Fade to black, their, done. <laughs> right. If they played their cards right, they could easily fold her into the movies. Like I know they said they weren't going to do that, but they could easily have Gemma show up like in Guardians 2. Oh. That, that would be cool. Or they could right. have any of the Guardians show up. Have just freaking Batista. But isn't <laughs> Guardians not going to like be released or the second one until 2017? Yeah, 17 is its latest yeah. spot. So Gemma's gonna yeah, be stuck so. on that planet for like the no, next but, season. No, but she could she could figure out how to go back. <laughs> yeah, they could figure out how to go back using the monolith or whatever they call it, the monument. Well, anything's possible, I guess. But she's definitely on an alien world, and that. Oh yes. Like, I'm not sure if they're gonna keep bringing the Kree into it or not, but hopefully it's like the scrolls or something crazy. But what if like there's a giant throne spinning around and it's Thanos? <laughs> oh my god. Gemma versus Thanos. Oh dear. The best. Dun, dun, dun. Science you to death. <laughs> the battle everyone wants to see. She becomes one of the infinity gems. 
ridiculous. <laughs> the Infinity Gemma. I was going to say, <laughs> Jinx is for me. Stop pulling your head, Matt. Stop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for our uh, Asians of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk. As you can hear, we're pretty excited about it. A uh, strong start to the season, and uh, hopefully it should uh, only get better. All right, so uh, we're going to end the show like we always do, and that is by uh, giving our classic picks. But because we're in the month of October, it's going to be all Halloween-related uh, movies. Yes, Sarah, you have to you have to pick one. Um, oh, I got one. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then why don't you uh, why don't you just lead it off then? Okay, so I'm adversarial right now. What? You're so <laughs> adversarial right now. <laughs> Make a Halloween theme. <laughs> He's so He's demanding. Like, Are you not entertained? <laughs> well, you guys didn't listen to him when he said, "Do your homework for the podcast." So I, that's I why don't he's know very upset. I have to say it. I did my homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm so, I'm so sleepy. Someone, <laughs> whose pick is it? <laughs> I guess this is mine. What's your right. What's your pick? What's All right, your favorite movie? <laughs> That's not what we're doing. That's the question. What's your favorite movie? <laughs> no, it's not. That's your too much pressure. That's okay. too much pressure. Shut up. <laughs> Go back to this. I can be adversarial. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just how I relate to people. Anyways. Um, so my classic movie pick in with Halloween theme. Um, I'm gonna say that you could consider enemy. A Halloween movie. It's a very independent film that I'm sure not most people have even heard of, um, but it's by the same director as Sicario. And one of the reasons why I really want to see that movie is because he directed both Enemy and Sicario. And why I would consider this a Halloween horror movie is because it is a mind fuck of a movie. It's one of the few times I watched the ending scene and just shouted, what the fuck just happened? Like, I have no idea. Like, I don't understand. I don't want to rewatch this movie, but I need to know. Like, this movie stuck with me for a month until I discovered a YouTube explanation video, and it connected everything, and all was right in my world again. But it's basically with Jake Gyllenhaal, and he paid he plays um, two characters. It's like that doppelganger syndrome going on. And there's spiders, and there's dreams, and there's just, just, just very interesting storytelling at play. And it's creepy, it gets under your skin, but <laughs> don't judge me for recommending this movie. I just want people to like be as tortured by it as I was. So the good luck the with title. That. The title of this review on IMDb for that movie is Watch It With Attention, Seek Explanation on the Internet, and Watch It Again. <laughs> yes. It's basically what you just said. Yes, it just screws with your mind because you're like, that had to mean something. I have no idea what it meant, and I need to know, but I don't really want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you for that, Sarah. Thank you for kicking that off. Um, all right, Everett, why don't you give us your pick? Oh, man, I was afraid someone was going to take mine, but then I realized that no one would take this one. I'm going to be recommending <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yes, from, that was From great. the old Ernest films. Yeah, and it, and I don't, man, I don't know if you guys remember this film, but it featured, like, this crazy, like, troll 
that went around and turned people into wood whenever he touched them. And I don't really remember it that much. I need to go back and watch it. But I remember at the end, there was like this giant tree full of wooden people. And Ernest basically, I think it was the best Ernest movie. That's why I'm recommending it. <laughs> and it's Halloween themed. Ernest goes insane. I, Ernest goes to prisons pretty damn good, so just saying. Yeah, all the Ernest yeah, movies they, are good. They are. Um, Casey. Right. So Hold on, let me grab my microphone. All right, hey. <laughs> hey, everybody, how's it going? All right, so my pick is uh, it's an instant classic. I'll just describe it. I'll give you the synopsis. You probably know which one I'm talking about. There's a, a kid named James, and he lives in this house, and it's very spooky everywhere because it's a Halloween-themed movie. And... Uh, and uh, he receives a, a little like caterpillar in the window, and uh, he lets it go, and it flies into a pumpkin tree, and a giant pumpkin grows, and then he goes and meets insects on the inside, and they attach some seagulls to the top of it, and then they go off and they have adventures. It's called James and the Giant Pumpkin, and everyone knows about it. Definitely not a pumpkin. That's, that's <laughs> my pumpkin. favorite. It's my favorite movie. That's my that's my pick. All right, I'll it's see not you guys a pumpkin. later. It's a good, it's a good show, guys. Bye. It's a for not a <laughs> That's pumpkin. the sequel that never was released, guys. Oh, I'm sure it is. Special yeah. Halloween edition. I know what you're talking about, Casey. <laughs> All right, it's Matt. Uh, uh, I'm picking. Man, I wish mine was funny too. Uh, I'm, I'm picking 1958's The Fly. Nice. Um, another classic horror movie. Um, super duper weird and unsettling. It's about this crazy scientist trying to. Uh, work out how to transport matter or teleport matter essentially but a fly goes in one of his machines and he turns into a little fly man and he's like super disgusting looking and everyone's like oh my god it's the fly and um yeah you should watch it 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 pretty much like it's it's definitely a good monster movie classic monster movie great acting jeff goldblum it's jeff goldblum <laughs> It's not nice, just nice. Cool. I like that. That's a newer one, though. Yeah, that think, was right? new. Yeah. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. The newer one from 1986. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pick the 58s. <laughs> 80s are so, uh, you know. <laughs> That's the new one, son. <laughs> no, man. Oh, I am good an old man. Um, all right, so uh, I'm just going to end it with uh, kind of a silly, silly horror uh, classic: uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, it's actually really, really good. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. Talk about obscure. That's a good one right there. It is a good one. Damn it. It's a good, good movie. No, it's, uh, Ab and Costello were, were a comedy duo back in what, the, we call that the fifties. Um, I could be totally off about that, but basically, um, they are security guards at like a museum and all the, and, and of course the crates that come in have the bodies of, uh, Frankenstein and, uh, and Dracula and the Wolfman, and it's 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 pretty awesome. It's very entertaining. It's such you need to check it out. It's, it's uh, one that the whole family can definitely enjoy. So, taking the family uh, Halloween approach uh, viewing today. So, all right. So that is going to do it for our show. Um, again, I want to thank uh, Federico Ponce for coming on and and uh, talking with us about Sebastian, uh, the Slumberland Odyssey. Uh, be sure to check that out for uh, the Kickstarter coming up. We're going to be posting everything uh, uh, about that on our, our Facebook, on our Twitter. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Everest, thanks for joining us on our first official uh, GWW show. Um, this was uh, good times, man. 
Stop Man, trying to make D Dub Dub work. I'm trying. I, it's gonna work, damn it! I don't give. I don't care. It's gonna I'm trying work. to make it happen. It's not gonna happen. It's gonna be a thing. Okay. Um. But yes, Everest, thank you for coming on, and uh, it was it was a blast having you on. Yep. Um. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you at? Uh. Yeah. I, I'm in a wind tunnel right now, apparently. <laughs> but you can Why find me on so Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Everett Gets It. And you can follow me and stuff I do on DGWW.com. Awesome. Um, all right. Let's uh, run this down. Uh, Matt, where can everyone find you at? You guys can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, uh, at I'm Salzy. I am S A L Z Y. <laughs> Sarah, where can they find you at? I'm on Twitter at SJ Belmont, S J B E L M O N T. And be sure to check her stuff out on gww.com. Uh, Casey, if you can find me on the internet, just Google it. <laughs> this is true. Oh man, that's great. Um, and just Google the name Casey. That's, yeah, that's it. Casey. Just Casey. That's, that's it. He's he's number. He's I'm the one who didn't okay. strike out or die in a train accident. Uh, <laughs> that's debatable. <laughs> oh, uh, and you can find us at. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay, you can find me at Basic Pete. You can find us on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think. Is there a show that we are not talking about that you want to hear about? Uh, let us know. Um, you can email us, sceneletternerd at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find all of our content over at the gww.com. That is going to do it for our show. We hope you enjoyed uh, our season three premiere podcast. This was a lot of fun. It's good to be back. Uh, and next week we'll be talking about The Flash and Arrow. So excited about that. Those Those are... Those are the shows right now. So um, that is going to do it for now. Uh, I'll see you later. I got to go see a Parks and Rec marathon. So. Bye bye bye. Yeah, Facebook, whatever, Casey. Because I welcome. put in effort. Pete. Pete. <laughs> Pete. What? Pete. When does season three start? You know, some of your listeners want to get into the industry and they want to get some tips. They want to know, you know, that part of it. I'm very happy to do that as well. So yeah. this is the first one of like a six-part series because I was <laughs> promised six hours. Wait, did you just say a six-part series? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? This is a children's book. Lady. Seriously, Casey. This is, uh, this is podcasting after dark is what it is turned into podcasting from the dungeon hold on I gotta be there you go, go. yes it's perfect perfect I'm so sorry. oh that was good all right well on the plus side that's our in slates <laughs> yes. Casey oh. what can yeah. I do to make it not the end?